Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed, and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. Are y'all ready? All right, let's go to the book of Luke, chapter 14, the last verse, 33 on salt, or 34 on salt. It says, salt is good for seasoning, but if it loses its flavor, how do you make it salty again? Flavorless salt is good neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown away, and anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. The whole context of that is that your life and my life is like salt. And during that time in history, they didn't have the refrigerators or the freezers that we have today, but they would actually take the meats and they would put salt in it to preserve it and to keep it. And there's a whole message that I can do on salt today, but for time's sake, we don't have that. But I want to just state, salt is good, but if it loses saltiness, then how many know it's good for nothing? In the same respect, Jesus uses a metaphor and he says, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. You and I are the ones of why this planet is still here. We're the preservatives. Can you say amen? And the point I want to bring out is Jesus' context was about influencing and changing lives. And then he goes right in and shares the theme of what we're going to be talking about today on on discipleship. He says, tax collectors... And other notorious sinners, it says they came out to listen to Jesus teach. But now look at the response that he got in verse number two from the religious leaders. This made the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. And so Jesus goes on and he shares the parable of the lost sheep. He goes and shares the parable of the lost coin. He goes and shares the parable of the lost son. And apparently to Jesus, lost people matter to God. The point that I want to zero in on with you this morning is the aspect of the response of the religious leaders of that their day. They didn't have the compassion. They didn't have the heart. They didn't have the whole understanding that God went, that people matter to God. And because they matter to God, they need to matter to us. And I remember uh, going back 43 years ago when I gave my life to Jesus, one of the first things that happened to me after the awareness, after the understanding that hit me that night, God forgave me of my sins. God came into my life. I'll never forget it. A vice snapped off of my brain. I saw things in a different light. I saw people in a different light. And I knew that I knew that I knew that I was alive unto God. Didn't have understanding of what that all meant. But I knew that something significant had happened in my life. But I'll never forget the first desire of my heart was to see loved ones saved. Is to see. And I never heard a message on it. Never heard anybody preach on it. Never. But I recognized that we had missed the, all he had sinned and all that missed the mark of God because I heard them share that that night. But I recognized that there was a heart inside to see people come to know what I had just experienced. And that's what we want to talk about today. So in studying the life of Jesus, Kathy and I have found this here and, and we've recognized going through Matthew and Mark and Luke and John that there's six traits 
There's six characteristics about Jesus that you'll see all the way through Matthew, all the way through Mark, all the way through Luke, and all the way through John about Jesus. And those six characteristics all got in to the disciples, the one that carried the baton and carried the torch after Jesus had died, was buried, and rose from the dead, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. So these six traits are where we want to zero in today, and the first one is going to be on relevancy. And, you know, I just want to add to what he said, first of all, about winning souls. Because, you know, we, we think it's hard sometimes. We think, well, I have to know all these scriptures. And, you know, what if I get rejected? And, you know, nowadays people don't want to hear, the, hear about it. But people do because they have needs in their lives. And they're sure. hurting. And they don't have answers. And their marriages are falling apart. And their kids are on drugs. And, you know, they are having struggles financially. And people have things going on in their lives. And we know God is the answer. We know that he is the one that is able to change situations and circumstances or at least give them hope and strength to get through the trials of life. And so how many have ever found something? Maybe you went shopping and you found something or maybe you went and, you know, had your hair done and you found a great hairdresser or maybe you bought a new car and you're so excited about the car. How many have ever had something that they found or purchased and uh, they were so excited about it they called and told their friends? Anybody ever done that? Just a few of you? You know, usually when we, you know, come across something we really like or we're really excited about, we like to tell people about it. Right. We like to talk about it. And, and that's the way it is with the gospel. You know, we went down to the Billy Graham Library two years ago this month. And when we were down there, they, we took an evangelism course. And Billy Graham was one of the greatest evangelists that ever lived. And, he's, and in his course, he said, evangelism is simple. It's basically when you meet people. If God puts somebody across your path and you have an opportunity to talk to them... Ask, don't try to sell them something. Don't try to push the gospel on them. That doesn't work. They'll get their back up and they'll resist it. But what you need to do is you need to ask them about themselves. Ask them to tell you their story. Be interested in them as a person. Get to know them and let them talk about their life. And, then, and really listen to what they have to say. And then when, you, when they're done, then you tell your story. But in your story, you tell his story. And you bring in what God has done in your life. Because, you know, people, they don't understand. They don't get it. And they're spiritually dull. But yet, they know they need answers. And when you can tell them what God has done for you, even if it's one area of your life or how he's changed your heart, at least they've heard the message. You have to understand, with winning souls, it's not about how many you actually pray with. You know, well, that's great if you do. But it's about the fact that they've heard and had the opportunity. And Jesus said these words in Matthew, um, Matthew 9:37. He said, He said to his disciples, The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into the fields. So, in other words, he's saying there is a great harvest out there. I remember when I used to sell real estate, I was told, you know, you go knocking on doors trying to list people's houses, you'll go to like 25 doors and get 25 no's before you get one yes. It's the same with the gospel. You may get a lot of rejection. That's right. But there's somebody that God wants to reach that's crying out to God. And if you don't make that effort, they'll never find out because we're the ones that we're, are, are going to tell them about uh, the, the love of God. That's what we're here for. And we're here to build the kingdom. But the first characteristic, as Pastor Rick says, is being authentic. That's right. And authentic means being real. How many have ever bought something and, you know, maybe you bought a ring or something and you thought it was authentic and you found out it was fake? 
You know, you feel ripped off, right? We don't like things that are fake. We like the real thing. But what does that mean? What does it mean to be authentic? It really just means that we're living the life, that we are genuine about our faith. It means that we really do love God and we really do love people and we're really endeavoring to please God and be the person God has called us to be and not being two-faced, not living a double life, not acting one way in church and then completely changing into this opposite person the rest of the time. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to be perfect, but you're striving to be like him. You're desiring to be like him. You're, you're hungering and thirsting for him, and you want to be real. People recognize what is real and what is fake. It doesn't take right. long for people to know the truth. Now, somebody can get around Pastor Rick or myself, and they're around us long enough. They're going to see flaws. They're going to see things we do that, you know, maybe aren't the best. But overall, they're going to know that we're, we're real and that we really do love God and that we really do believe the word and that we really do desire to please God and seek him and allow him to work in our life. And that's what people are looking for. And they're looking for people that walk the walk and, and uh, not just say something, but they live it as best sure. as they can. I like the TV show America's Got Talent. And um, the reason I like it is I love to see talented people. I love to see a gift God gives somebody. And I love to see when people take that gift to the limits, that they really develop it and excel in it. Now, I understand on that particular show, it's a secular show, there are some people that have weird talents. <laughs> talents that, you know, maybe the devil gave Putting it to them, I don't know. But, um, you know, if there's some weird people, I just turn it off. If it's something that I don't like, or, you know, I turn it off. But I just watch the people that I think really do have a genuine gift in it, and they're developing it. And, um, and I love to see that. And this year, there was um, a singer, and if you've watched the show, some of you may watch the show, and probably a lot of you don't, I don't know. But it is a show I enjoy, because people are made in the image of God. And people are capable of doing amazing things. And I love to see when people break the limits and do things beyond the norm. Because we have potential in us to do far more than we could ever imagine with the gifts right. that God has given us. And this year there was a, a, an addition of, of a man that was a worship leader. So he's a believer. And he has quite a story in that he has, his wife and him were... Uh, they had their first baby, and, and she almost died having the baby, and the baby almost died, and so they were told they couldn't have any more children, and uh, they decided, he's a, pe a pediatric health nurse, mental health nurse for kids, and um, so they decided they were going to take kids that had no hope and no home. So they started bringing children into the home, and they ended up adopting five children, the, all young children that were children that were basically found on the streets, left or abandoned, abused, whatever. So they took in these children and, and, they, and they just loved these children. They pour their lives into these kids. And so that was the story because sometimes on that show they tell a person's story. And so then when he sang, he had such an anointing on his life that he ended up getting Simon's golden buzzer. Now if you don't know what that means, it's really a good thing. <laughs> it's probably one of the best things know. that could happen to you if you go on that show. And so it basically means he bypasses all the eliminations and he gets right to the live shows where then he gets voted by, the, by the, whoever watches the show. So anyway, on Tuesday night, he performed a song. And he's a good sing great singer, but, you know, not probably the world's best singer, but a very, very good singer. But there, I believe, and again, I don't know this person. I just have heard, based on what I've read about him and heard, he's a godly guy, loves the Lord, and is genuine. And obviously what he does with kids is living the life, right? Caring for others, caring for the hurt, the downcast. 
And, and that story really moved the judges. But on Tuesday night, when he performed, and how many know Simon Cowell? How many have heard of him? How many know he's not always the nicest guy? Just a little sarcastic. Well, he was so moved by this guy, because I believe, this is my opinion, he sensed the anointing in him. Because people know when somebody's different. And, and they all recognize something different about this person, and that's how we're supposed to be. You don't have to cut it off. Just play it. I believe it's a little under five minutes or about five minutes. All right. The point we're bringing out is the guy is genuine. He's authentic. And when you're real, without hypocrisy, pure, uncontaminated, and unfiltered, just being who it is that you are, there's an anointing that will come on your conversation. There's an anointing that will go on your life. And you'll sense God picking in, taking over inside of your life and giving you things that you have no idea. I, I can share this just firsthand with the church. There's times I've never met people. I don't know anything about them. And the Holy Spirit, when that anointing kicks in, it just opens up their hearts. And then next thing you know, you're downloading their whole life. And, and within 30, 40 seconds in a conversation, the person's life is right before you. And you're sharing it. And they have no idea they never had a conversation with you. How many know this is the way God wants us all to operate in? And when we're, <laughs> the simplest way I can say it is, God cares about lost people. And he'll give you what it is that you need to touch into their hearts. My favorite verse in this here is in Romans chapter 12. If they could put it up, verse 15, in the Message Bible. It's totally, totally amazing. And ask yourself this question. It says, laugh with your happy friends. It says, when they're happy, share tears when they're down. Now listen to it. I want it in the message Bible if you can. Put it up in the message, okay? It says, be happy with those that are happy and weep with those that are weep. Put it in the message. Okay. It says over there, share tears when they're down. Get along with each other. Don't be stuck. There it is. Perfect. Don't insist on getting... E Where am I at now? Okay. Romans 12, 15. Back up one. You got it, but just back up one. There it is. There it is. All right. Let's all stand for just a moment. Okay, just threw me back a little. Everybody say it together. Bless your enemies. No cursing under your breath. Laugh with your happy friends when they're happy. Share tears when they're down. Get along with each other. Come on. Don't be stuck up. Make friends with the nobodies. And then it says, don't be the great somebody. I want to tell you something. Listen, the woman at the well was a nobody. Come on now. The lost sheep was a nobody. The lost son was a nobody. The lost coin was a nothing. All these things were important to someone, but lost people, broken people, the nobodies mean something to God. And God hears the cry, and God hears the passion, and God hears the things that the nobodies are speaking, and he uses you and I as nobodies to go right to them because we're not the great somebody. If they ever feel that we're up here and they're down there, we will disconnect from them. Why? Because we're all on the same playing field with God. We all need the grace of God. We all need the mercy of God. We all need the empowering of God. We all need the love of God. And we all need to freely receive His love and forgiveness and freely give it to those that don't. Amen. You can't be seated. Amen. Go ahead. Amen. 
You know, it's just about being real. And well, that's what God on, wants yeah. us to be, real. Amen. And people know when you're real and they know when you're a fake. And that doesn't mean you've got to be perfect because you won't be. You're human. But we need to own our, right. own our mistakes and not pretend we're something we're not. The next characteristic about Jesus was he was relevant. And basically what that means is he said and did things that people could relate to. He preached the gospel, talked about the kingdom of God in stories and stories, and, and described it in ways people could understand. And, you know, every generation is different. And, and the, you know, how we speak is different. How many have ever looked at pictures of, of yourself, you know, in the 60s if you're that old? And, uh, Help me, Jesus. You know, how many, <laughs> okay. how, how, many, how many have ever seen those hairstyles that you had way back when, you know? And, and maybe the clothing that you wore or whatever. And, and, you know, we can look back, even when you look at old movies sometimes, you look at their hairstyles, you're like, what were they thinking, you know? And we, we see all this stuff because things change all the time. You know, the world is changing. And how we do things is changing. And we need to be relevant to the, to the generation, to the world that we are in now. We can't do church the same way we did it in That's the right. 50s and 60s and 40s and, you know, even the 70s. We have to move on. And, but we never change the message. That's right. We just present it differently. We package it a little differently so that people can understand it and relate to it. I remember when we started in ministry, we didn't have computers. We didn't have cell phones. You know, we didn't have any of that stuff. I remember when Sharon Holder used to sit over there with an overhead projector showing the words of the songs, you know. We had this big pile of sheets of, you know, that she would put on there. And, and we used to do things so differently back then because that's what we, that's what we had. You know, we didn't have anything else. And so, you know, we've always tried to, you know, modernize and keep up with things and, and try to do things different. But as we get older, that gets harder because we, we weren't born to think that way. You know, technology wasn't, you know, part of our life growing up. And so when you're trying to learn it in your 40s, I remember, I remember Nello sending the pastors, Pastor Dave, Pastor Rick, me, and Pastor Brian, I don't know who else, uh, Barb, sent us over to St. Clair College to learn how to use a computer. Because he thought, you know, we need to get computers at the church. We had no computers back then. So we go to this course, and they're having us take the computer apart, looking inside of it. And by the end of the course, I still hadn't figured out how to turn a computer on. But anyway, you know, it, it took a long time. And even now, if we didn't have Robin, we'd be in trouble. Because, you know, we, we uh, it's still, so we struggle in that area. We struggle with the types of communication that we have today as sure. opposed to what it used to be. I mean, I used to communicate by people by picking up a phone and calling them. You know, that you don't do that very often anymore. And, uh, and so there's things like that that change, and, and, and it's changing all the time. And so, you know, we need to be relevant to the audience that we have and, and to the people that we're sure. reaching. And, and this is so important that we, we do our best. And I believe the way things are now, the way technology is, that churches can go to a whole new level. The gospel sure. is being preached a whole new way because of, of the social media and all of, all of the technology and tools that we have available now that weren't available. But there's always a downside to that stuff too because we're competing with a lot of things that are available to the world. And so, but we have to trust in the Word of God. The Word of God is powerful. The Word of God is able to bypass all of the lies and all of the darkness out there and is able to pierce hearts and change people. And we have to believe that with all of our heart and not be afraid and not draw back 
but use the means that God gives us and, and use the things that people can relate to and get that message out there. Never change the message, but just change how it's presented. And so we have to understand in the name of relevancy, we can never compromise the Word of God. And I'm very thankful to say Pastor RJ and Mary and the team is all staying solidly with the Word of God. They're going to preach the unadulterated Word of God, the pure and the living Word of God. It's not just going to be a little scripture here and there, but it's going to be the full counsel of the Word of God, rightly divided, you're going to hear. And how many know that's getting it to the generations today? I found out, I found out this about people today. People don't want some candy-coated soft, tell me it's my ear type gospel today. They want the truth of the Word of God. They want it straight. They don't want it all diluted. They don't want it all watered down. They want the truth. And when they hear the truth, they'll resonate with that truth and they'll act upon it. How many know the Word is relevant today? Anybody ever been fighting? Okay. Anybody ever get in a fight? Come on. Okay, and what happened? You start, and then the, the jug comes out, and you start raising your voice at them, and they start raising their voice back at you, and the next thing you know, you're having, as Jack says, intense fellowship, but it's, but it's over the edge on intensity, okay? And so, listen, a soft answer. Come on. Somebody says something mean, okay? Somebody says something hard. Somebody insults you. Well, the Scripture says a soft answer turns away wrath. How many know that was 2,600 years ago? It still works today. Come on. And then, but grievous words, listen, not thought through words, harsh spoken words, evil words. It says they stir up strife. It works. These are principles that work today just like they did then. So the aspect of being relevant, we can never vacillate from the Word of God. The Word is our anchor. The Word is what gives us hope. The Word is what gives us eternal life. The Word is a person. The Word was made flesh. The Word dwelt amongst us. And the Word now lives inside of us. And the armor that we have is the Word of God. When we put the full armor of God on today, how many know it's God's armor, the living Word of God today? When we speak it, it carries the same authority in the spiritual realm as if God Himself had spoken. Folks, that's relevant. That's active. That's that's what God wants you and I to do today. Amen. The next thing Jesus was was excellent. And he did things with the spirit of excellency. And that means basically he put his best foot forward. He didn't compromise. He did what he was supposed to do. He didn't make up excuses. But he really stepped out and did everything he was called to do, everything he was asked to do. And he did it to the best of his ability. And, you know, one of the things I've learned about excellence is that excellence is not perfection. Now, Jesus obviously was perfect, but we are not. We can only do what we can do, but we need to do what we can do to the That's best right. of our ability. And we can't do everything, but the things God has gifted us with, the things he's called us to do, we can put our best foot forward. We can do it with all of our might. We can be diligent and faithful, true to our word, do the things that we know God has called us to do and not draw back or compromise or make excuses. You know, so many people live their life full of excuses. And they have reasons why they don't do what they should do. We all use excuses in some areas of our lives. Every one of us. And yet God has called us, you know, whatever he's called us to do, when it comes to the kingdom of God, when it comes to pursuing God and loving others and, and, and just doing what God has called us to do, we need to put our best foot forward. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're, if you're called to children's church, you need to show up for children's church. You know, you need to be there. You need to be faithful to what you're called to do. You need to be faithful in any area of sure. ministry. You know, if you've made a commitment, you need to follow through on your commitments. You, even if you have to swear to your own hurt. 
And sometimes, you know, we, we, get it, we get in over our heads, but, you know, we, we have to fulfill the commitments. But then if, we ha- if God's telling us to get out, then we get out. But we have to at least do what we promised. And, and you know, there's things that people are looking at us all the time. People depend sure. on us. There's nothing worse than depending on somebody and having them not come through. Because it really hurts a lot of people and it really hinders uh, what God wants to do in situations. But excellency means we do our very best. Mm-hmm. And if you're not good at somebody, get somebody that is good at it to help you. You know, be a reader, be a studier, learn and grow. Don't waste time. But not that you don't, you should, you should have free time and spare time. And, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But you know what? Be productive with your life. Right. Don't just That's exist. That's right. But be productive. And the word ex- excellent actually comes from a root word that literally means excel. Excel means to superabound, not only superabound, not only in quantity, but also in quality. It means to be in excess, to exceed a fixed number or measure. And listen to this here. A lot of people just say they want to be the average today. God never called us to be average. He called us to be excellent, okay? Average, are you ready, is the lowest of the best and the best of the lowest, That's what average is, okay? It literally, mediocre means a low degree of excellence is what it means. I don't ever want to be average. I don't want to ever be there. But here's what I've learned about excellence. It means it gives a little bit more and it juts out a little bit further than what is average. In other words, listen very carefully. If there's a bar that people have, this is the average right over here. Say in the schools, I don't even know what it is today, but say it's 70% out there. That is an average. I don't want to be at 70. I want to be 71. I want to be 72. I want to be 80. I want to be up. Come on now. And so how's that going to happen? It's going to mean I'm going to do a little bit more than what the average is doing. You take the top CEOs, you take the top athletes, you take the top marketplace people, you take, they all have one common characteristic. They went a little bit further than what was required. The athletes that are excelling up, they went a little bit further, okay? When the others were letting down or the others were just staying with it and maintaining, the ones, the hooper bolosses, that means those that jut out a little bit further than the average. That's excellency. It gives a little bit more. Just a little, If they tell you do a 20-minute devotion, then you do 22 minutes. If they tell you pray 10 minutes, then you pray 12 minutes. If they say give your tithe, you go 11%. Whatever it might be, you do a little bit more than what is the average. And that little bit more is going to compound and bring results inside of your life that you'll be up there with the top. The Bible says, but without faith, apart from faith, uh, separate from faith, it is impossible to please God. For he that comes to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. The diligent seekers are made fat. The diligent ones are the excellent spirit ones that break out, proceed, go further than any other ones that are out there. Amen. And that's the spirit on WCF. I'm convinced that if we have the support and we hold up the hands and we do the intercession, we do the prayer, I believe this next generation is going to go so much further than where the generation is now. Faith is going to abound greater than we could ever imagine out there in the generations to come. Can you say amen? The other attribute of Jesus was that he was fun. And you know, Jesus said, except you come to me as a little child. How many know, have you ever watched little kids? They know how to have fun. 
they don't care what people think of them. They'll do stupid things, say fun things, and, you know, they just enjoy themselves. And, and you know, we need to have fun in our lives. It's not all serious. We need to have those serious, somber times, definitely. But there's a time we need to just enjoy life, enjoy one another. Jesus talked about hospitality. You know, he talked about fellowship. He talked about singing together, dancing together, enjoying people. And, and uh, we need to do that. It's important that we have that part in our lives. And, you know, there's so many facets to our, our lives that God made. And, and we need to have every one fulfilled. And we need to operate. You know, some people come to church and it's all, you know, somber. And they can't talk. And they can't do anything. And, you know, they can't, you know, can't crack a joke. You know, we need to be able to enjoy people and enjoy life and be fun to be with. You know, nobody likes to hang around with somebody that's just miserable, right? We like to be around people that are fun to be with. And, and you can have good fun. It doesn't, you know, fun doesn't mean sin. Now, some sin, you know, some fun is sin. But there's a lot of things you can do and have fun without sinning. And, and uh, you know, we need to look at those things and we need to participate in those things and, and just enjoy people. You know, we need to reach people that are lost. And how do you do that? You know, they're not going to all want to come into a Bible study right away. Some might. But, you know, maybe they want to go bike riding with you or, you know, go bowling with you or play a game of some sort. And, and, and those are ways we reach people. That's why, you know, some people wonder, like, why does reach have all these games? Because they're trying to reach people. That's why they're called reach. <laughs> because, you know, you invite people out there, kids out there, come to a Bible study. They're going to look at you like, that's weird, you know. But come and play a game. Okay. But then you get them in, right? It's bait. But we need to, we need to be creative and we need to do things with people to reach our friends, our neighbors, and, and enjoy life. And let them know being a Christian doesn't mean you just sit in church all day and read a Bible. You do do that, but that's not all we do. And we do have fun. We do enjoy life. We do enjoy people. And, uh, and, you know, Pastor Rick and I, we play Scrabble together all the time. I always win. Well, not always. Most of the time I win. When she's tired, I always win. <laughs> yeah, he waits till I'm ready for bed. Then he says, do you want to play Scrabble? Because he knows I'm too tired. <laughs> but, uh, but actually, he does pretty good. Um, I'm on a winning streak right now, though. But anyway. But, uh, you know, we... This too shall pass. But we, you know, we... <laughs> <laughs> I will tell you this, he's diligent, like he's determined, you know, he doesn't give up, he doesn't quit. And, uh, you know, after 20 losses, he's still in there, you know. <laughs> well, maybe not that many. I don't quit. <laughs> <laughs> I practice what I preach. <laughs> you know, we're talking about fun over here, and last night the grandkids all come by. And if you, read, if you do price match, I do price match, okay, and they had the Briars ice cream at No Frills for 189 Okay, the two liters. So I bought six of them, okay, for the kids when they come by, all right? So now I got four of the kids in the neighborhood, so they all came by, and we got the graham cracker crust things, and so their favorite place is mine, pralines, okay? So this is at 8 o'clock or something last night, so we give them all the ice cream and everything else. They get more sugar at my house and one night than they do at their house in a whole year, okay? And, and then they all go home, Woo! <laughs> Well, I, th I think, house it, I is think fun. it was fun for us, but not necessarily for their parents. <laughs> but anyway. Okay, anyway, let's get it. How many want to be happier? Come on. How many want to enjoy life? 
Listen, everything we're saying, and some of you people at home on live, so you need to hear this. If, if you really want to enjoy life and be happy, stand up, because I'm going to tell you how. Just stand up, if that's what you want to do. If you don't, if you want to be miserable, you can stay seated, okay? Okay. All right. Here's what it says. Are you ready? So simple. If, conditional, 1,522 ifs, on condition that. Well, what's the condition that? If you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. In other words, it's all in your mouth. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. Quit speaking what is and start speaking what God has. Start you got to get this here down. You're not just going to enjoy life. You're going to have many happy days. And somebody needed to hear that today. Let's get to the last one. We got to rock. Oh, we got two more. Okay, two uh, the more. next is, um, sit down. <laughs> Accepting. Accepting means that everybody we accept then. everybody. How many know we need to love all people? All people. It doesn't matter where they come from. It doesn't matter how old they are. None of that matters. We just are called to love people. And in loving people, we have to trust God that he will work in their hearts and change them. And so when people come in our church, it doesn't matter how old they are. It doesn't matter what their background is. It doesn't matter what race they are. It doesn't matter what size they are, what their education is. None of that should matter. It doesn't matter if they're a drug addict from the street or if they're a multimillionaire. We need to love them all. And we need to accept them all. And we shouldn't think we're better than anybody else. So we need to be an ex- accepting as people. We shouldn't look and judge people and think, you're not worthy of my time. Right. You know, we need to look at people as somebody created in the image of God, valuable with gifts locked inside of them. And our job is to help them know they have gifts in them and help them okay. draw it out so that the kingdom of God can be glorified and built. And see, that's what it's all about. We need to care about people, love people, accept everybody. Everybody needs acceptance and they need to know they're accepted. And sometimes in our world, well, not sometimes, in our world, we categorize people. We have different social statuses, and this person's okay, these people aren't, and it doesn't matter. God goes into the jails, he goes into the streets, he goes into the hospitals, he goes to the down and outer, he goes to the wealthy, he goes to the every country in the world. It doesn't matter. Every person matters. And we need to be a people that care about every person and not look at this person, well, you know, you're different than me, so I don't need to get near you or have anything to do with you you know we need to learn to love each other learn the different cultures learn where people are coming from understand one another one of the things I want to do is um, you know we need to embrace every season in our life and um, you know I want to see the seniors of this church taken care of you know we're, we're a generational church we're moving down to reach that next generation but there's a lot of seniors in this church and we want to make sure that we are doing things and then i want to get the seniors to reach to get to know some of the next gen the younger generation so we got some ideas and plans that we're going to be implementing down the road some fun times for seniors and fellowship for seniors but also where the seniors are going to reach the loss and reach that next generation and uh, and it's going to be good and i'm excited about it and god's just given me a vision and we're going to be sharing that soon but you know we need to just because we're older doesn't mean god's done with us we're just, get, we're just getting started. And the younger generation needs the older generation. They need us more than ever because they need moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas to be a part of their lives and help them because many of them don't have that. And they need us and we need them to keep us young. Amen? 
You know, God expects harvest. God wants us to catch fish, not just go and look after the aquarium. That was Rick Warren, by the way, that said that one. Okay, what does that basically mean? The aquarium, you can just go look at all the fish and all the different sizes, all the different shapes and all the different beautiful ones. And, and, uh, but how many know God wants us to go catch them and to get them in? And we all have a responsibility. But the last one to us is one of the things of the DNA of this here house that we never want to forget, okay? Is not only do we know, need to know the teaching on the gifts of the Spirit, but we need to activate the gifts of the Spirit because it's the power of God that's going to bring them in. All these things that the, uh, the world has learned, psychology is basically, I can take you to the tenets of psychology. They have four basic inherent needs, which they think that they believe that was inherent. How did they get there inherently? They, they don't always teach how they got there because God put them in there. It's the need to belong and be accepted. You can read this. This is 101 psychology. The need to grow. Come on. The need to share, the need to re reproduce, duplicate your life. Those are the four basics of, of psychology that they have. And all four of them are biblical principles that are brought out. He's accepted us in the beloved, amen? He first loved us. The, the, that, that's the aspect of share and care. Come on. Grow and be healthy. Grow in grace. Grow in wisdom. Grow in knowledge. Grow in, it's all there in the Bible. And then what is it? If you take his word, what's going to happen? You're going to be successful in all that you do. The inherent needs are inside of us that God has put in there. But without the power of God present inside of our lives, we're not going to see them all come to pass. And I believe this here with everything in me, the church, the generations to come are going to not just do the miracles, but they're going to see miracles as an everyday occurrence inside of the house. I believe we're going to see more deliverance than we've ever seen, and we've seen a lot of it. I believe we're going to see more of the supernatural than we've ever seen before. Why? Because we're people that are diligent seekers of God, and we're not going to take no for an answer. If they did it in the book of Acts, they're doing it today, and that's what we're going to see. Amen? Let's all stand to our feet. Father, thank you for the incredible people that are here today. Thank you for the love that they have for lost souls. And Father, again, uh, you gave us the opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of our lives, to accept. But you didn't give us an option when it came to soul winning. You said, go and be fishers of men. And Father God, I thank you that every one of us this week is going to have divine appointments that you are going to orchestrate and set up with lost people, disconnected people, broken people, hurting people, or whole people out there uh, from the uh, outward appearance, but inside they know that they know that something is missing in their lives. So use every one of us this week, Father. Set up divine appointments. As my friend Pastor David from HPAC got a hold of this, and, and he said, Rick, since you share, every day he's having now divine appointments. And so God, I thank you that a minimum of two to three divine appointments are coming across everyone in this house pass. This afternoon, tonight, tomorrow at work, somewhere, because we're going to be better listeners and tune our ears in for those opportunities that are knocking at our door. And as we partake of the bread today, release every good thing in us of the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Amen.